everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Atlantic Sill Podcast. I'm your host, Donald Campbell. We're here with Nicole Heckelman, who has experience working with people with disabilities. And we were going to, uh, she could, uh, she was connected to me by our podcast producer, who I always like to shout out, uh, Jacob Seeger. I also like to shout him out because I think he gets a little embarrassed. So I like to, you know, keep him on his toes. So, um, uh, hi, Jacob. Um, so, Nicole, tell us about kind of, I always like to start with people's origin story in the mm-hmm. world. So how did you get involved in disability services and what are you doing now? All right. So I, um, I currently still work at the school. I am the, on the school's behavior team. So I'm one of the behavior techs in Little Egg Harbor. I got involved working with, you know, adults and children with disabilities um, at a high school. My cousin was in a bad accident in elementary school and he was um, in a wheelchair. So he had to have a lot of extra assisted services and I was very interested in it. So I started working with a couple programs in high school and then at a high school, that's what I wanted to do. So that's what I was going to school for. And I started working at the school 20 years ago, and here I am now. That's awesome. So when you say you're on the behavioral team, what do you do now? Are you focused on students transitioning? What is your kind of wheelhouse? Okay, so I do a little bit of everything. I, As the school's working on the behavior team, I do social-emotional groups with students. I support our self-contained programs and help with like behavioral needs, You know, de-escalating children or helping them work on things that they're working on. And then I work with some of our gen ed population as well. And that's just a lot of behavioral support. So going in there and adding in positive behavior supports to help shape some of their choices as students. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. How did you get to this part? Uh, You just told me in the beginning of how you got interested. Mm -hmm. Uh, What has your work been like over the years? So I started when I first got hired, I was hired to work in an autistic program. So I worked... Um, in the autistic program for the first four years of working there. From there, I tended to have a nice compassion. I built relationships with some of our students with, with more behavioral disabilities. So I ended up being moved into a behavior program. So I've worked in the behavior program for, I think it was almost 15 years. And then they offered us during COVID the opportunity to get our extra behavior certifications. So I took advantage of that and popped into this position, which I love. So that's awesome. And how would you just, what would you define as a behavioral disability? Cause I think when people hear that, yeah, I don't know what that means. Um, a lot of the times I would say it's some of my students, typically my students are academically on grade level. They are socially pretty close to grade level. Um, a lot of my students, it's that component of not understanding when they're told no, not accepting of being told no. A lot of it can do with work refusal and not wanting to have the need or the want to complete an assignment or, you know, to keep themselves more in control with their emotions. So that's a lot of what we do work on together. Yeah. And I know that when the cell, when we have worked with people with behavioral disabilities, sometimes it's just kind of oppositional. Yep. Very much so. Being oppositional. Mm -hmm. And uh, learning how to work around that and understanding that it is a disability and, you know, to still give them the education and the services they need, I think, is kind of the, the, the challenge of it. I think people with behavioral disabilities, I would say I have cerebral palsy and that disability, people people like that disability, like they can fit it in a box, like, oh, mm-hmm. it's a person in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I always have a lot of sympathy to my 
people with disabilities who are unseen mm-hmm. and, and like behavioral people just like, oh, that kid, they're not, they're just not a good person or they just have an attitude. Mm-hmm. So talk about that sort of the stereotypes of it. and Yeah, because that's not always the case. As you just said, it's not typically the case. A lot of my job is relationship building. So it's coming in and teaching these kids how to have an appropriate relationship with someone, how to, how to have a communication, to be able to sit and communicate. You know, a lot of my guys don't understand how to sit down and have a conversation with someone that you can have a difference in opinion and that's okay. So sometimes it's even, you know, something as small as that is teaching my guys how to, to have a conversation with someone where you might not agree and that that's okay not to agree. And that you can still like that person, even though you don't agree. Right. Right. Because behavioral disabilities, like I said, they are real disabilities. They're yeah, just as much of a disability as I have. So mm-hmm. I think that also it's incumbent on punk people, among people who don't have those disabilities, to realize that there are people like that out there. And um, sort of like, how would you recommend that somebody like me approach? somebody with a behavioral disability like what um, is a good technique because sometimes I think people it's like they give them the fight or they give them the opposition and they trigger yeah. they trigger it all so yes. there's going to be better techniques on how to handle it. yeah I usually time I try to come in as cool and calm and and easily well like composed as I can keep myself because the only thing I have control over the situation is how I handle the situation right so if I come in as calm and cool and collected as I can right away, just my demeanor usually can sometimes start to deescalate. If I come in and I'm fired up, you're not going to help anybody that's at that heated moment. Calm down. I would say my biggest tip would be is just to maintain you first. Right. You have to come in on your own calm, cool, ready to enter a situation. Right. For lack of a better phrase, don't add fuel to the fire. That is a hundred percent. Adding fuel to the fire isn't going to help. Somebody's uh, opposition towards you, you give them opposition, they'll give you opposition back. A hundred percent. Yes. I can honestly say I have never been called into a classroom and come in all hands blazing. No, you got to come in completely on neutral. That's part of it too, is that they have to remember that. Yes. I understand that they might've said something to you that isn't the nicest and they might be in a heated moment, but we have to remember that everyone is still a person and we need to work on those things first. Right, right. And how do you, how do you like, you know, because obviously when you have behavioral disabilities, there are consequences to some of those behaviors Mm -hmm. out in the real world. So how do you both understand the disability, but also help them understand accountability and transition so they can transition to their next phase of life? Like, how do you balance that compassion with like the, okay, you can't go in your job and start yelling at your boss and not Mm -hmm. everybody's going to be as understanding as you are or that I am about Mm -hmm. about a situation. I usually try to be straightforward with, with a lot of my students. I think a lot of it starts as, you know, I'll, I'll ask them, is it okay to be angry? And a lot of them say no. (laughs) And I have to remind them that it's okay to be angry. It's okay to have feelings. It's what we choose to do with them. We're done. So, I mean, a lot of it too, is that it's teaching them that it's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel happy. It's what we choose to do with it next. That's a great point. Um, I think that, because it's true to people even without behavioral disabilities. A hundred percent. The issue isn't your feeling. The issue is what you do next. Yes. And even my, like a lot of my, like, you know, my more typical, like my gen ed population students that I, I push in for positive behavior support, they're in the same boat. When I say to them, is it okay to be ticked off? (laughs) 
they'll say like, no. And I'm like, well, of course it's okay. You're allowed to be mad. You're allowed to be angry, but you're not allowed to hit someone or yell at someone because you're mad. Right. Right. So you're allowed to be mad at your teacher. You just can't curse them out. (laughs) Exactly. You're allowed to be mad. I'm like, I get mad all the time. I could be mad at you in this current situation. Exactly. (laughs) But I can handle it differently. Exactly. Um, And what do you feel like people with behavioral disabilities need to be successful? Like what is, what are we not doing? What should we do more of? What are those things you see? Like, uh, I think more, I think more um, social, emotional, you know, that alleyway is a little bit something we lack sometimes. I think I would like to see more of that. Um, I think it teaches our kids not only compassion in each other, but, you know, and just by like doing stuff like that, one of the programs we're looking to like bring into our school next year is that we're going to do like a peer mentoring. Oh, I think that's awesome. Yes. Where we want some of my, like, especially some of my guys that are, um, you know, out in our regular ed classes, but have that more of that behavioral background. I would really like to see them have to be paired with somewhere that where they like have to have a different understanding of someone else too. So that's one of the programs we're looking to add in next year is do more of like a peer mentoring I think that's great because I think that um, sometimes with people with behavioral disabilities, we can isolate them too much and would like to take mm-hmm. them out of the general population because, yep. you know, this might trigger them and that might trigger them. And mm-hmm. sometimes you fall into, I see people falling into that pattern. It would just be easier if they were all over here. And it's yeah. like, that just incur- increases their isolation and Agreed. also doesn't let them build the skills. Like you said, no, you're not going to get rid of everybody that annoys you. So you got to no. learn how to make this. You kind of have to move on. You know, you can't, you can't go into Wawa and they're, they're out of milk and start throwing the case around. Right, right. Sorry, you, that's just life sometimes. Or, or you can't work at Wawa and say, look, I, I, I want to work here, but I want to come in when nobody else is around. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Those are not, yeah, that's not, they're not, unfortunately, that's not really. Not a thing. Yes. <laughs> not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings me to, um, I'm really, you know, I really think a lot about sort of transitioning at after school because at the center, we get a lot of parents who, you know, I always say, especially if they're in a good school district, they don't realize how much support they get. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of built in. And then when that goes away, they're kind of, a lot of people are kind of caught. They're shocked. They're like, what do you mean? Nobody like, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. So what are your, do you have any tips uh, for transitioning or what, what do you think about that? If you've had any, had any experience with kind of after school and they're leaving their behavioral disability, but what are the next steps? Yeah. I mean, on, unfortunately, most of my experience lies like eighth grade down. Right. Where I've been. Um, I do know, like, you know, as my students, even transitioning just from that sixth grade up to that middle school. Yeah, because that's a thing, too. That's, that's a, a big transition. <laughs> you know, I, I try to remind my kids a lot. You know, last year I had a few that I worked with very closely since they were in kindergarten. So we've worked together for quite some time. And it was just those reminders. And I kept reminding them, like, you know, next year, you're not going to have as many supports as you have this year. So it's teaching them to do more independent. It's more of that independence on those significant. I don't want to use the word. I would say more independence on those significant characteristics that you really need. Right. So those things that you really need to have an understanding on. So it's just pushing that. Like I said, a lot of mine is that, you know, recognizing and, and understanding their own emotions. Right. Being able to say, I need a break. Right. Being able to say, so that's my biggest thing that I push with a lot of my guys is giving them the voice that they need to be able to say, I just need a second. Right. And, and when I walk, 
And what I hear you saying too is, and it could, you know, a transition just doesn't need to be graduating. But like you said, it could be from sixth to eighth grade or eighth grade to high school. I mean, those are big steps for people. And like you said, preparing them as you're going through the process. A hundred percent. Setting that expectation, like this transition is coming, like, like, Sixth grade is not the same as eighth grade. Like it's just, it's just mm-hmm. not. So like, no. what are you gonna do when you know when you have a little less support, maybe? Then building those skills. One hundred percent. Um, and that's something that worked with me. Even though I, like I said, I have cerebral palsy. As I went up in grades, they gave me more and more. Yeah. Independence, which I think is really the key, because independence is huge, and it builds confidence. Like yes, you need to feel good about yourself. Right. If you're constantly mm-hmm. told you can't do it, or don't worry, I got it. Never allowed to struggle. Like you never build those like skills. Absolutely. Self esteem, where it's like, well, I, I, I don't know. I'll never go to college because nobody ever told me I might have to go. Like <laughs> I might have to go. And yeah, um, yeah. So that's great. I'm glad somebody like you is out there. Thank you. Um, how do you? How, while we're on the subject, yeah, I'm a big Jacob fan. So how do you know Jacob? <laughs> I was a parrot in Jacob Seeger's class when he was a kid. Oh. So I've actually known him since he was a little kid. Yeah. That's cool. We could do a whole new podcast. I know. Actually, it was it was the coolest thing for me. To, you know what I mean? To, to get to know a student and then to see them grow up. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know? And I would just like to say, and Jacob's doing awesome. Man. Jacob's a fantastic young man. He just, you know, he's just such a fun. We have so much fun. I agree. Center yeah. And he just brings so much, always keeps me entertained. A hundred percent. In the best way. Yep. He's a good kid. He is. He is. So what What would you want, like I said, as we're wrapping up and we yeah. try to keep these podcasts short and sweet, what yeah. would you want somebody to take away? Because as you know, there's a lot of misunderstandings about behavioral disabilities, like especially. And yeah. I always feel like, that, like I said, they get, especially the short end. And the six. So what would you want somebody like if somebody said to me, like I could see an employer saying to me, oh, I would never hire somebody with that kind of disability. Mm-hmm. Not, they're not going to say that, you know. No, of course. They say that under under their breath. But like, you know, people with behavioral disabilities work every day. So, what, you know, what would you tell people who are making those stereotypes and those assumptions? I guess the first what I would like to say to people is just to give someone a chance to try and have that relationship. Right. Because, again, I find that's my biggest thing. My my strongest, I think with my students is that I build relationships with them. So once you have that relationship, I feel like a lot of the times they don't want to see me disappointed in them. That's a great point. So, and I'm able to then take that, okay, you don't want to see me disappointed. And then my job is to teach you that you don't want to be disappointing yourself. That's a great point. I just, that just triggered, I think like the key, like before you start anything, it's about, you got to build that relationship. Yes. Establish that trust. Yeah. listen to listen and like understand instead of coming from like a top down all the time absolutely once, once you have the relationship it's easier to do those things like hold them accountable and all yes that stuff. yes and i find too like i i feel like you know a lot of my students i i build a good relationship with them and i also have like realistic expectations right i understand where we're at and who we are and i want to have i want to build from where we're at but I'm also one too that like you had mentioned earlier in, in our conversation about like, you know, there has to be like consequences and there has to be follow through. I always have realistic, realistic consequences also. Right. 
Right. You know, they know my expectations. So just me being disappointed most of the time <laughs> is enough. Disappointment <laughs> you know? kills. Yeah, they don't want to see me disappointed. Somebody, somebody, yeah. somebody you care about, somebody you have a relationship yes. with. Yes. Don't care disability or not. No, I mean, yeah. I've seen kids just stop it's having awful. full temper tantrums, and I walk in and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> She's going to be so upset. You know, I'm going to have to explain this. I'm going to have to explain. We're going to have to talk about it. <laughs> She just said, she just said to my teacher that I was going to be fine in this class. And now, yeah. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm it's like this, yeah. whole, this whole thing. So I think I'm giving people a chance. I think a hundred percent, you have to give everyone a chance and realize that everyone sometimes needs a fresh start. You know, and I say this all the time when I'm talking to people about like hiring people with disabilities, like people with disabilities have the right to fail to and to mm-hmm. like Agreed. like why don't they get that chance to like people without disabilities and without behavioral disabilities they get to do you know they get to Makes have struggles sense. and leave their jobs all the time and then not work out like nobody makes it a crisis but when it's nope. a person with a disability it's like everybody yeah goes, oh, yeah what happened? it's like i don't know like mm-hmm. if, if they don't work out then you fire them just like you would fire any employee like percent you know but we don't know maybe they'll be your best employee ever like that happens too yeah you never know maybe they'll be understanding more understanding because they're used to being not understood like they bring a lot to the table so it's always just i, I think you're right just how about just give them a chance see what yeah. happens you're not you know yeah it's not a lifetime commitment so yeah. uh, no I, you're right and i like what you said i 100 agree that everybody makes mistakes right right everybody right. everybody and, on the whole planet makes mistakes yeah. and i explain to i call those mistakes to my guys hiccups that's yeah. just a hiccup yes it's a hiccup it's and now we go back up it, again learning yep. from it and moving yep. on like you yep. know and that's the thing too maybe we'll talk about this too like also teaching that you know because a lot of the people i work with two behavioral disabilities like the hold on to the mistake and it's like yeah. learning how to like all right that was yesterday we learned don't beat yourself up too much about it yep like move on so so, so just that resilience too mm-hmm. well this was a great conversation thank you i appreciate it donald i really uh am glad um and again i just want to do a whole podcast about all the embarrassing stories you know about jacob i think it'd be a great idea and, and he, would, <laughs> he would love it because he'd also have to edit it so that being i know great, <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> like this is out this is out no he was i always was a huge fan of him i've always been a big fan well, so. he, like i said i was i was lucky enough and this is turning into like a jacob commercial but that's okay mm. It's okay. I was lucky enough to be referred to him, and because I was looking to start a podcast, I'm like, oh, yeah. let's start a podcast. It's just like somebody told me, uh, Fran, he's a great person, also needs to be on this podcast. So, I mean, there's this great kid, Jacob, you'll like him. And I just met him once and again, giving people a chance. I just hired him yeah. right away, and it was, it was a great decision. So, yeah. um, again, people with disabilities bring a lot to the workforce, and I agree, behavioral, not, and you know, sometimes even the words behavioral is like, I know know, they're just running around yelling at everybody all day, which is, (laughs) which is not even the case. Sometimes it's like kids kids that are, you know, it's not true. So Mm -hmm. just, you know, I think just changing our framing of it and also realizing these people are here and we want them to be contributing members of our community. So, yeah, I think that's the part of my job that I love the most is I give people a different perspective on the students. Right. Because right. they see me build these relationships and these kids that no one has been able to build a relationship with. And now they're in my office 
helping me water my plants. Right, right. Or they're in my office or they come running up to give me hugs and everyone's kind of like, what? <laughs> so I think sometimes just that on its own is like my favorite part of my job because it right. gives everyone else a different perspective. Right. I'm sure you've had that before. Oh, you'll yeah. never get this person. Yeah, all, all the time. Exactly. If like, you I can think... help this one, you must be a miracle worker. <laughs> Like, it's not a miracle worker. I just take the time to learn them. Which is also just a mentality that is so wrong, too, because pick up on that. They, like, you, you, may, you may think, oh, I'm just saying this to Nicole. No, they like, know. Why are you saying that? <laughs> they yes. Saying that? So yes. you basically told them on yes. your breath that they exactly. can't change. So why, why are they going to? That yep. there's something they can do. So I have a, a trademark phrase with my students, and I say to them all the time, is I will always be honest with you, whether you like to hear what I have to say or not. Well, and I think we'll but it's the on, truth. <laughs> I think we'll close on that too because I wanted to talk about that. That was something that was in my head. Yeah, I think sometimes I know, especially with me, it's still amazing how when people see disability, they they turn into like they can't talk to you, like they no. just I don't I don't know what to say. And you just said the best thing to be with somebody with a behavioral disability is just be straightforward. Like yo, know, that was uncalled for what you did. Like hundred percent. Don't walk around it and be like, no, I'm not going to tippy toe around and pretend that you're throwing something was appropriate. <laughs> you, you slam my door and I don't yeah. know, you upset. Like, no, you can't yeah. my door. So I think yeah. treating people with disabilities like you would treat anybody else. A hundred percent. And doing the condescending kind of patting on the head just doesn't. Never, no. it's, it just annoys people even more, and it's never gonna oh. work. I treat people the way I would like to be treated, yes. And I, so. still get, I still get the question, How should I treat people with disabilities? Like everybody else, like, like everybody, everybody else, that's it. Yep, everybody else, it's mm-hmm. not that hard, but you know, on the 30th, uh, third anniversary of the ADA, you and I are still out there fighting that. We got fighting this, fight, fighting <laughs> fight, helping yep. people learn those things. So, yep. thank you, Nicole. No, thank you, Donald. I really appreciate this. Thank you. This meant a lot. I was glad I was asked. And I will I will tell Jacob you were awesome. Well, he'll know because he'll record this. But thank, <laughs> you. thank you. Perfect. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.